mother flipping coin noises. Welcome to Super Garbage Day, a retro video game review show where an actual garbage man plays games 20 years or older that you, the listener, chooses. Every week, I randomly pick a game submitted by the community to play, dissect, then discuss. I am your host, the number one retro podcast host in Lane County, Oregon, B. Ross. This is a very exciting week for Super Garbage Day Incorporated. It is the Portland Retro Game Expo this weekend, and Julia, I, and my son are all going. <laughs> I can't wait. I wait for this every year. It's been a couple of years since I've went. It's going to be a blast. I will talk more about it later on in the show. But before I go any further, I want to welcome our latest patron, Lewis Reddington, which happens to own the most British name I have ever heard. As always, you can catch my first impression video of the week's game in the show notes to put a face to a game's name. And this week, we braved the VGA jungles of Jill's neighborhood. So check out the link in the show notes. The Backlog Eternal poll is still live and going on in the Discord, uh, which we'll pick from the community. We'll choose vote what game next I should beat to completion. And right now, Outlast looks to be in a huge lead. And I feel like saying this shit i'm out this shit i'm out no thanks don't mind me i'ma just grab my stuff and leave excuse me please if you want to get in on the action join the discord and vote it's free and the link is as usual in the show notaroonies the super garbage bowl 2023 has concluded so let's play a sample from the latest episode of that series right now So far, we've had 16 NES games submitted by our patrons. Everybody picked a game they think is the god-awful worst piece of garbage NES game ever made. They were bracketed randomly, we played them all, they competed, and now we're down to the semifinals. So without further ado, let's end this legacy, this saga. I'm talking like Keith. If you want to hear the competition in its entirety, which asks the question, what is the worst NES game of all time? Jump on the Patreon for two bucks and get access to that series and 30 other exclusive uncensored content episodes. Woo. Okay, baby, let's go. It's time for the retro question of the week. Seek ye wisdom, who I want to give a big shout out to for uh, his help with. He created these Genesis music playlists because the next episode of Retro Deep Cuts is going to be about the best Genesis soundtracks. And he went above and beyond and even provided playlist links. So uh, if I remember, I'll throw that in the, the notes of this episode so you can check it out, too. But thank you very much, Seek. His retro question of the week is, what's your most memorable rage quit moment? Banjo Kaczynski replies, no more heroes on Wii. I got it from Gamefly and it mysteriously showed up snapped in half my, well, sorry, showed up snapped in half in my mailbox. I definitely didn't play it for 20 minutes and then pull it out in a rage and break it. Pinky swear. MK Keith states, Street Fighter 2 notoriously put me into fits of rage. I broke an in Super Nintendo controller 
or maybe two back in those days, and through either self-actualization or my parents punishing me, I sort of stopped playing San uh, Street Fighter, I almost said San Francisco because it's SF, games because I'm not so bad at them. Uh, similar, when I first had to had to fight in Bison, I remember screaming bloody murder as a kid at that TV because I was like, this is so unfair. But my answer to this question has to be Adventure Island level 8-2. No level in my 8-bit history has haunted me. It's so impossible. You must make every jump accurately and almost pixel perfect while trying not to run out of time. And if you don't believe me, go watch a YouTube playthrough or Van Fernal's stream uh, VOD on it. He beat the whole game. Guy's a maniac. Okay, another uh, retro question of the week comes from MK Keith, and he just says, this is not even a question, but I need you to pronounce these on air. Okay, so the inside joke here is that I, I mispronounce everything all the time. So let's see. He gave me a list. Let's go. Eponia. Gygus. Mako. Iko. Kate Sith. Arceus. Ryu. Mario. Wise. Square Enix. There you go, buddy. Go ahead and make fun of me. I know some of those aren't correct, but I don't know. I am who I am. Do not judge a book by its grammar. Okay, now it's time to ask, where are you going? The Mother and Retro Game Expo this weekend in Portland, Oregon is where I'm going. I hope to do a deep, deep dig and find Xbox 360 games at super good prices. Since I feel this is the last year to collect them on the cheap. I might record some of the content while I'm there. I'm not entirely certain. Uh, I know for a fact I will record a YouTube video on our YouTube uh, Super Garbage Day podcast YouTube channel for my haul. But if I do record some uh, content of me being there, uh, keep an eye on the Patreon. That's where I'll release that. I recommend everyone experiences a retro game expo of any kind. It is such a freaking treat. Also, here in Eugene, Oregon, we will be hosting our first retro game expo on November 4th. If you are in this area, come say hi. I mean, it's not going to be as big as Portland's, but it's, I don't know. It's the first annual, so. All right, now it's time to roll out a uh, new segment. So I was flirting with this idea of starting a once a month podcast on the Xbox 360, especially collecting it, since it's my main hobby at the moment. But I figured a better idea was to just incorporate a segment in every episode of Super Garbage Day. So without further ado, here is Collect 360. So NCAA football 14 has finally reached the 100 club, meaning a loose disc of this game now runs about $105. If you're wondering why an NCAA double football game is so expensive compared to all the other ones, well, that's because this is the this version was the last one to feature actual college athletes. So it's considered rare for this reason. I think there was also some kind of lawsuit or something that happened. I don't know. I don't really know the full story. I do know that it's it's just one of those games that ended up rare because of some legal issues. If you own the Elder Scrolls Oblivion Special 5th Anniversary Edition, well, there's good news. Uh, it has risen in value by 25% in the last week. So now it's running about $35 complete in box. So keep your eyes peeled for that version. If you don't already have Oblivion, which is my favorite Elder Scrolls game. Um, but that's only because I've never played Skyrim. So, I know. one of the, Everybody's going, what? You never played Skyrim? It's been, it gets released every year on everything. It just got released on a smart fridge. You silly boy. Get out there. 
The overlooked Saw 2 game, Flesh and Blood, has been skyrocketing lately and shows no sign of slowing down. Uh, it's a bit out of my budget, and I really want a copy, so hopefully I can get lucky maybe at the expo or the expos in the future. Uh, this is currently going for around $47 used, complete in box, and this has seen a big boost in over a year. So it's I'm telling you, right around that corner next July, I think the entire library of 360 games is going to get a boost in value with the 360 marketplace shutting down. You can find the whole set of the three Burger King games sealed new for about $8 shipped on eBay, which is a steal, not just for collecting, but it also solves an issue if you have like ugly or beat up cases for other games. Just pop the Burger King game out and replace it all with your game, your cover, and your manual, and boom, it's been renewed. They're, they're actual authentic Xbox 360 cases. They're not reproductions or crappy, you know, third-party ones. So that's the way to go if you're going to be a collector because there's not there are only certain cases that have special things in them, like I, for games that require more than one disc, obviously. So, But otherwise, every Xbox 360 case looks the same. So there's a little uh, pro tip. My 360 Spotlight game this week is Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. So it's a single disc anthology of almost all the best Genesis games, and they're enhanced to HD. Also has unlockable Master Sister games as well. And this is exactly how I am playing Golden Axe Warrior right now instead of emulating it or paying $200 for its loose copy. Uh, you can grab one of these uh, Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection on the 360 for right around 10 bucks used complete in box or even $17 sealed. So this game is also not backwards compatible with the other Xboxes. So this is going to be one that will indefinitely raise in value. I recently dropped an exclusive episode on non backwards compatible 360 games that you can buy physically right now. And with further research, I have overlooked a lot of them. So definitely be on the lookout for a part two, maybe part three of that series in the future on the Patreon. Okay, everybody, it's time to don your loincloth because this week's game is Jill of the Jungle on DOS. Yeah! <laughs> Jill the Jungle is a trilogy of scrolling platformer games released in 1992 by Epic Mega Games and Tim Sweeney himself. It followed the method of distribution used by Apogee Software, where the first game is freely available and promotes the purchase of the additional episodes. The three episodes are Jill of the Jungle, the one we played, Jill Goes Underground, and Jill Saves the Prince. They were combined into Jill of the Jungle Complete Trilogy a year later. So let's get into them first impressions. First off, the way I look at games is they, they all start with an A and they have to earn an F. And this game immediately stayed at an A for being free to the public through GOG. So it's not only is it like just free to, for anybody to play, you don't have to pay for it, but it actually will install and play on any kind of computer thanks to the GOG service. So that's really awesome. Uh, I quickly realized that this is very much a DOS game in its purest form. Like right out the gate, it asks you to set the color limits of your system and gives you a story that is not a story whatsoever. I was uh, getting obviously the shareware vibes that it spoke of in the, uh, in the explanation of the game. And the game reminds me a lot of Commander Keen and the first uh, Duke Nukem. But right out the gate, though something that stands out is the music. 
immediately noticed how groovy and cool the music was and how the sound effects sounded more crisp. I believe this is when a sound blaster first came out. So they definitely were using or taking advantage of the newest hardware. And let's just get into the gameplay. So Jill the Jungle is an old school platformer. You have to use the keyboard. There's no mouse involvement for your movement and your action keys. Um, you pretty much run, you jump, uh, you can attack with various weapons. One of them's like a dagger that doesn't animate and it acts as like a boomerang, you know? And then there's also like a spiral blade or a shuriken, mind you, that actually is animated. It's one thing I've noticed, uh, I'll get into this later with graphics and audio, that this game has a, a weird uh, alchemy of good and bad assets when it comes to visuals and sound. Um, maybe not so much bad, but they're just, it looks like two different game tile sets. Uh, every level includes like a feature for the player to transform into like um, different animals, you know, like uh, think about Donkey Kong Country, right? You can be a flying bird, a frog, a swimming fish. Mainly, though, you're playing as Jill. You traverse, I think there's 14 levels in the first episode. And it's got a weird hub level that you don't realize is a hub level at first. You just think you're, it's always telling you, like, you're entering the jungle. You're entering a cave when you go through these different levels. But generally, you'll see numbers on the ground. And I think that's how it's indicating to you what level you're going into or coming out of. So, but as you go through it, you realize that you just pretty much have to attack things and solve puzzles with a lot of platforming involved. It's at first very hard to uh, get used to those controls. They're so stiff, but it also feels like the game was designed around those controls. So I almost want to forgive it, but I can't because they don't let you change your key bindings. And I think that having to play the entire game with the arrow keys um, they give you different options for jump and attack, but you don't get different options for your movement, which I thought that's uh, it's weak, man, especially because I played this on my gaming laptop and it's not a gaming laptop. It's just my laptop. It's my multimedia laptop and it's arrow keys are like really fat, like the left and right are very fat and the up and down are really small. They make up the size of one key. So it, it posed a problem at first. And uh, thankfully, the game does offer you unlimited continues. And a save anywhere feature. So like I stated, other than the levels obviously being crafted around this kind of very stiff jumping control scheme. And and the, your movement can go from fast to slow to um, you can eventually you get this uh, jumping special that makes you jump like Michael Jordan in the air. And it's I can't stress enough that it's got some of the, just the roughest controls of any of the games I've played thus far. But I feel like it does make up for it with those abilities to pretty much save state and you can just start immediately back the, the short. You get a lot of checkpoints and that's when you start to realize that the game itself is 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 like one part action platforming and one part puzzle solving. And some of the puzzles are actually decent. I found myself um, not really being lost at any point. I was being I did get frustrated for a lot of pitfalls that there's instant death. Because you do have a life bar, which kind of is weird. I think the game could have just, instead of having a life bar, you could have just had like three dots that represent like three hits. 
because some things damage you more than others and some pits or some spikes or lava is just instant death. And I don't know. I feel like maybe uh, dial back the checkpoints and make them make those areas like the checkpoints actually save areas and then just give take three hits and then you die no matter what happens of course unless you're falling to like a pitfall off the screen or something but i mean these are minor complaints the game is it's really self-aware it's funny it's definitely a game you can tell is made by four people and it was uh epic games second game so if you're not familiar with epic games they made Fortnite. so they're like billionaires now no this is their second game they ever made <laughs> and it's really funny uh tim sweeney was the designer i think it said todd earlier but maybe but tim sweeney is also the very famous uh dev and he was the head designer here they it's just a it's totally an old school dos game it kind of took me back i used to love these games i almost think that i may have played this game on one of those old like ten thousand on one uh sharewares disc you used to get at like walmart (laughs) in the computer game section i don't know if you remember those they used to have these compilations that were ridiculous it was like because they could fit so many sharewares on on like a, a 750 megabyte uh, CD disc. But this just totally gives me that those vibes. And and I got to tell you, it's I, I got pretty far in it. I think I I, I got further than halfway and I, I kind of thought it was cool. I just I, I just really hate the controls that they, they're just a big hurdle within this game that otherwise is just a fun, silly romp that has uh, sections of like tongue in cheek humor with fake newspapers that are kind of dunking on other like there was one that makes fun of mario there's one that makes fun of duke nukem and and they really talk crap to like apogee which at the time they were kind of the big dogs but you know it's i mean what more can you say it's 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 a it's a primitive early 90s pc platformer that you can't use a control or the mouse with it does have a lot of variety i think the ability to change in between the animals, which sometimes is, is uh, mandatory in some cases, but I think that's pretty cool. Um, I, I believe that came before Donkey Kong Country predates it, so I don't know if that was a any bit of a inspiration, but it's cool to see that. And the fact that your sprite itself, well, I guess we'll just have to get into that. Let's get into that. Let's, let's talk about graphics and audio. Music in this game is awesome. Every track is dope. Matter of fact, my I was sitting here playing this game at my kitchen table on my laptop, and my daughter was sitting next to me. I think she was just working on some arts and crafts. Um, and as you know, she ends the show, <laughs> every show. She's about six. I, I went to another level, and it changed the track. And she goes, hey, 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 go back. Play, keep playing that song. I was like, it's, it's from the game. She goes, that's the game song? She's like, I really like it. She loved the music. And she doesn't even know what DOS is. Well, I mean, that's it's not that, you know, oh, a six-year-old, it's music's so good that a six-year-old likes it but i'm saying it's one of the first games that any of my kids have ever commented on give it the uh, at least the audio i mean roman in the past has called some of these games these are oh these look so old he called blood rain super old but yeah the, the music is great i'm gonna play a little track right here this is like one of my favorite tracks of the game listen to this Another fun and funny thing about this game that makes it unique is its sound effects. Its use of sound effects is kind of all over the place. 
Like anything you grab or do does not make the right sound effect. I don't think that it's, it, they're supposed to be like, you get an apple and it makes like, like, like it makes a weird noise. Um, when you kill things, it just, they just make explosion noise. Like everything is really funny. You can tell it's, it, it sounds like somebody was, was really having fun with the new sound blaster and just went hard. And I believe it has to have of any game I've ever played the best sound effect for picking up a key. It's this, this right here. That is the best. That is awesome. And uh, once again, it kind of spouts this tongue in cheek. We're not halfway serious charm that these developers had in this game and also adds to its dossiness and its age, you know, in a, in a good way. Uh, the graphics, however, are kind of a grab bag. Like Jill herself is she's very well made. Like she's the sprite, the animations, everything is, is wonderful. But some of the levels are just like the terrains, just blocks. Uh, some of the some of the enemies don't even really animate. They just move back and forth like one frame and everything's different scale and size. But it's just like they really focused on her, I think, altogether, like her animations when she climbs, when she jumps, when she transforms and all that. I mean, the, the knife projectile is kind of silly because it's literally just a knife that slides across the screen and boomerangs back to you and doesn't even like animate whatsoever. It's pretty silly. But. I don't know that that could also just be funny because the later on you get a Shuriken that does animate fully. And I, I don't know. The part of me wondering if like, if some of that's actually meant to happen, they're just like, who cares? You know, cause I don't know if they made this game with the idea of becoming big. Uh, I come to find out like later on the game ended up selling like, like 50, 30 to 40, 50 copies a day. And I think that's a pretty big deal back in the early nineties for a team of four people. Um, that was during the, the boom of like everybody trying to, start making home computer games. So, and, and to think they went on to be this enormous company is pretty cool. And you're playing like a big part of its, his, of their company's history with Jill of the jungle. So, I mean, color me surprised. What else? it's, it's got banging music, man. I don't know what else to tell you, but I do know what time it is. It's time for me to give this game a grade in the verdict. Sorry. If you heard my dog in the background, she was totally trying to get my attention. And, uh, I was semi playing with her as I was recording. So, well, Jill of the Jungle on the surface looks like a joke and looks like a meme game that somebody will play for five minutes and be like, I'm done with this. It's stupid. Um, but it really isn't. Uh, it's actually more fun than I thought it was going to be. It's, it's just funny. It reminds me of a carefree time back in the DOS days, back with the shareware times. Uh, it's, it's just got like, enough charm to separate it from everything else, especially with its sound design. It's, it's humor. Um, you know, it's, it, it has some really big pluses and really big minuses. Uh, I, one of the biggest minuses being the controls are God awful and next to impossible. If you were just able to map that to a controller, this would be an entire grade up. But at the end of the day, when I think about Joel, the jungle, and the time I put into it in comparison to the other games I played on this show, I'm going to give Joel the jungle a C it gets a solid C because it's, 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 it's silly. It's fun. It's free. Uh, Zodiac in our community. I, I, this week I, I, I put on there, what, what grade do you think I'm going to give this game? And uh, he nailed it. He put C. So you get 100 trash dollars. I don't know what those are, but we'll figure that out down the road. We're just making up a point system as we go. Okay, we're going to set Jill of the Jungle back in the wilderness, and it's time to pick from the Wheel of Retro. Let's go. 
Okay. <laughs> oh boy. Mm. Uh, so this is a game with many submissions. Okay. This is a game on the PlayStation One that could be considered an action beat 'em up. This is also a game that a member of our community has streamed and I think beat. And that game is Perfect Weapon on the PlayStation 1. I want to thank the patrons for uh, being a part of this community and helping fund this show. This show is completely brought to you by our patrons, where $2 a month can get you access to over 25 exclusive episodes uh, from shows like Retro Deep Cuts and Backlog Eternal. If you got this far in the episode, then please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show grow its audience. And in the same vein, I also want to give some shout outs to a couple shows I listen to. Uh, Retro Hangover is awesome. They have a great King of 96 or 92. <laughs> I'm telling my head, I can't remember which one it is, but it's really cool. They uh, have a, a lot of hosts from other shows come on and they, they debate on which game is the best game of a certain year. And the main quest with Keith, he's got... A lot of content coming out right now. A lot of Halloween theme stuff. So check that out. I just did an episode with him um, on the Earthbound Halloween hack. And even Van Fernal did Clock Tower. They just dropped that episode. So check out the Main Quest podcast as well. Also remember the game just because I love that show. Join the Discord. It's free. It's a small community of like-minded people. And you can vote on certain topics like games picked for Backlog Eternal. And all these links, as I've said 6,000 times, are in the show notes. I will see you next week as we play a game that I am 100% sure is going to suck balls. Cut to B. Thank you for watching with my dad. Uh, I just want to say everybody, guys, bye.